Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen with David Gura. Daily, we bring you insight from the best of economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg. Lisa Abramowitz with us uh, this morning, which is a good thing on economics, finance, investment. We did a touch of politics with Professor Bowder. He is with Citigroup. He's also unlaunched a 47-page view of next year. I'm kidding, Professor, but it's great to see the team at Citigroup dive into a global view for 2018. Let's look back. What did you get wrong in 2017? You wrote something 12 months ago about global 2017. Where were you off the mark? I can't remember. Can't remember. <laughs> wow, full American like transformation. Um, no, Mr. Um, Corbett can. I think, <laughs> um, basically, uh, too pessimistic about Chinese growth it came out higher yes. than expected. Yes, once again, but once again, this is a, let's just stop right there. Yeah. Once again, the hard landing gloom yeah. is off. Should we even be discussing a hard landing in China, or is that just Western idiocy about an economy we don't understand and a people we don't understand? Uh, I don't think it's quite that unique. I think China now is just a messy market economy uh, like uh, most uh, globally significant economies. It uh, plays by the same rules. Um, It just happens that the authorities have kept credit growth and fiscal stimulus going for to a much greater degree than I considered possible. Mm. Well, and uh, that will uh, likely change a bit this year, but not materially. So well, I don't see a hard landing even now, but a slowdown in growth. I want to pick up on keeping the credit spigots open. Mm-hmm. There are dangerous consequences to this. We have learned this in the past. Does this open China up to an even harder landing? Are perhaps people uh, overly sanguine about that risk? Uh, it's possible. If... Uh, the kind of buildup of debt we've seen in China and the likely, although we don't have direct data on that, buildup of bad assets, both on the books of the banks and just off balance sheet, uh, could uh, create a financial crisis, and which would be bigger um, the longer this goes on. At the same time, uh, you know, they have the tools to um, deleverage and restructure without creating a financial crisis. To do it without creating at least a slowdown is, I think, impossible. But it could be a mod- no, quite controlled slowdown, say, going down to something close to 5% next year, and then you know, petering out uh, into the new normal of, say, 4-plus uh, uh, for the rest of uh, the decade and the next. That would be a soft landing uh, for China, which is possible. Uh, but as um, Mr. Zhu the, uh, the central bank head said, um, you know, a Minsky moment could happen uh, and uh, the authorities better be ready to act decisively if systemically important institutions turn out to be financially at risk. All right. So let's move on from China. Let's talk about Europe. A lot of people think Europe is in a better position than the U.S. will accelerate in the uh, stage of the credit cycle that's about a year and a half behind the U.S. Do you agree? How fast could we see growth in, in the eurozone? Uh, uh, Eurozone, I would definitely tell a different story about the UK. But yes, the Eurozone is uh, in um, a a cyclical recovery that is really quite robust now. Um, uh, Growth is picking up this year even above what we expected. We're in the 2.2, 2.3 range now. And I expect something similar 
for the next couple of years because there still remains slack on average in the Eurozone, even though the Germanys of this world are getting close to full employment. So, yes, this is good. Um, the banking sector remains a bit mm-hmm. dodgy, but I think there's enough... Uh, credit growth, uh, including growing non-bank financial intermediation, to well, keep the show on the road for another couple of years. Professor, thank you so much. Willem Bauder is a chief economist at Citigroup. We greatly appreciate his uh, continued support of Bloomberg surveillance with the perspective of Citigroup and, of course, uh, the academic heritage that he brings from LSE and schools east of here. Is New Haven east of here? Yale's Kind of. Uh, I always get confused it's, about that. I always feel yeah. like it's north, but it's not really. They have a football game this it's, weekend. It's right? northeast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they do. Oh, with who? Harvard, Yale. Oh, parking is like ten. Th- cover. It, it, I have to parking. make a correction. Uh, yes, Dr. please. Dr. Uh, spent three years in New Jersey at Princeton. Oh, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He knows. Uh, that's a surveillance correction. Salt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, actually, uh, whoever wins Harvard or Yale, I'm okay because. John Harvard was a graduate of my uh, college in Cambridge, so what the heck. Oh, very good. I like that. Bowder at the 50-yard line. You can be at the 50-yard line as well, 12-15, if you're in Boston. Bloomberg 106.1 FM and our other good affiliates. Listen on Mount Katahdin, up by Chimney Pond. Harvard, Yale, 12-15 Saturday. One of the most important sporting events of the year worldwide. We do that in Boston. Oh, my God. 106.1 FM Abramowitz is looking at me like, where are you, from New England? Seriously. Have a Narragansett lager beer, Lisa. Come on, <laughs> right, lighten got up. <laughs> this is Bloomberg. Let's go purple, which is something you could do. I guess you can do it on a national basis. You can do it on a state basis. Or maybe you can move to the 16th Congressional District of Ohio, where Mr. Trump took 55% of the vote Election Day in 2016. As Ron Johnson of Wisconsin is an entrepreneur, so is the distinguished congressman from the 16th District. That would be Mr. Renacci running for governor, but far more importantly, sliding me this weekend into a show-stopping old-school glam deluxe, Harley-Davidson soft-tail deluxe. How is the Harley-Davidson business right now? You're in a bunch of dealerships, Congressman. I mean, it is the American economic indicator. Are Harleys moving out the door? Well, Tom, thank you for having me this morning. But Harleys continue to move, not as fast as they used to, because discretionary income is not as available as it was prior yeah. to 2007. That's really that's really why we have to get the economy moving. We've got to get the economy moving with the tax uh, cut program. We know all the story about corporations and that. Sell this this morning, Mayor of Wadsworth, Ohio, to the people of Wadsworth, Ohio. How is the middle class going to be benefited? How many people in your district will have their taxes go up? Well, it's interesting, and I tell everybody this, that, uh, look, there's a lot of good things for middle-class Americans. We are doubling the standard deduction uh, from 12000 to $24,000. Uh, we are reducing the, court, the individual tax rates. So in the end, if an average family of four uh, with two children that pay into a 401K, which we did uh, keep in place, went Thank up you. with about $1,200. We'll end up with about $1,200. Yeah, and I'm a big believer in the 401k, too. I'm a, I was a big supporter of that. But we'll end up with about $1,200 more in their pocket. So 
This is what it's about, letting the Americans have uh, the American middle-income family okay. have more money to do what they want to do with it. I don't know if Oberlin College is in your district. I believe it's not. But why are you going after universities? Why are, you know, I get the idea Republicans are going after Democrats in Democrat states. But does it seem more vicious than it used to be, Congressman? Well, and again, I wouldn't say anybody's going after universities. What we're doing, the, the university endowment, which I think is what you're talking about, uh, those endowments were made to reduce educational costs. And now some of these endowments are being used for a whole bunch of other things. They're being used for, uh, and, and we've got reports of, uh, suites and super boxes in, in stadiums and yeah. paying off coaches. And all we're saying is use your endowment. I mean, the way the tax code is written, use your endowment, and whatever income you don't use, you're going to be taxed at. Yeah. So let's let's get the money back into where it should be, in lowering cost of education and getting more individuals uh, able to afford college. Congressman Renasi, this bill was drafted in secrecy. A lot of people complained about that. You had a hand in this. Why? Why not have it out and why not hash it out and why rush it if it really is an attempt to make tax tax policy better? Well, I'm not sure it was uh, done in secret. Remember, uh, I've been on the Ways and Means Committee now since Chairman Camp was there. We had so many hearings. We have ripped the tax code apart, opened it up, showed it, showed the problems, showed the issues, and in the end, rolled out pieces. So the framework was uh, was actually brought out a month ago. The framework is still in there. The pieces of the framework were so important, dropping corporate uh, tax rates, dropping uh, rates for middle income. Yeah. Uh, these were all the things that were in the basic framework. Uh, to get to the framework, to get the car to run, there were some pieces that had to be added, and that's where we're at. But now, um, it's in, you know it's pretty much out there. The Senate's doing their thing, and in the end, we're going to have a conference and move this bill forward. Congressman, a lot of people say that the House bill almost doesn't matter at this point because it really is the Senate that will determine the final outcome of this bill, and the Senate bill looks considerably different. Is there anything in the Senate bill that concerns you that you want out in order to sign off on it? Well, one thing I would tell you is we played that game already. It didn't work out very well with the uh, Senate and the uh, uh, when it came to health care. Um, we spent a lot of time making sure that this bill is a good bill. Now, there is conference where we'll have to bring some things together. But in the end, I think uh, we'll have a better bill. We'll have more dollars. I mean, look, if the Senate can get the individual mandate um, taken care of and repealed, yeah. that adds more dollars that will allow more middle-income tax relief. So uh, the reason we didn't put it on our side is because we were afraid yeah. the Senate couldn't do it. I'm glad to see they're trying to do it. If you're just joining us from the 16th District of Ohio, this is south of Cleveland. Jim Renese out of Indiana University of Pennsylvania with a real entrepreneurial streak as he entered uh, Congress, running for governor in Ohio as well in the Derby uh, next year. Congressman, I, I, I look at your district, and again, I look at the purpleness of it as well. How are you going to sell this puppy, whatever it ends up? How are you going to sell it at the next Rotary meeting in Wadsworth? Well, the one thing I do is I've, I've always been very open. I've, uh, you know, I, I've made some, taken some positions in Washington. People yes. said would not ever get me reelected. Totally Again, agree. Totally. Of this, this is really important, folks. This is a congressman who goes across both aisles in a blink. How quaint. I mean, do you feel all alone in Washington when you do that, congressman? 
Well, look, it's it's definitely something that's not done enough, but I still have a bipartisan breakfast. We have it every week. Uh, first morning back in, we talk about ways we can work together. When it comes to my district, I do the exact same thing. I, I get out. I talk to people. I remember that I talked about raising the uh, gas tax um, through, through uh, inflationary, you know, yeah. adjusting it to CPI. And people said, you'll never get elected. The Republicans... Mm-hmm. I ended up speaking to all the conservatives, and they all signed off on it in the end because people know that you're thinking through the process, and I'm willing to listen and work with them. Mm -hmm. Congressman Renacci, when you speak with your constituents, do you feel like President Trump is getting less popular and they're giving less of a mandate to you and other members of the GOP at this point? No, it's 100% different. When I speak to my constituents, the Republicans are mad that we're not uh, supporting President Trump, which I always tell them there's no one who supports him more than me. The Democrats on the other side, yes, they're the 100 percent opposite. It's the problem with our country. Um, you know, the Democrats just automatically come out and say, no, we, we look, that's the other thing I've learned. As, you, as you've mentioned, I was an entrepreneur business guy for three decades. I go to Washington because my Chevy dealership's taken away from me and I'm madder than hell. And that's the reason I go there. But now what I see is when you're in the minority, the number one thing you want to do is get to the majority. And when you're in the majority, the number one thing you want to do is stay in the majority. Does this tax, and that's what puts the wall. Jim Renacci, does this tax bill risk the Republicans' majority in the House? I don't believe so. I think, I think if we do not pass a tax bill, uh, there would be a risk. If we're not able to get something done, right. there would be a risk. The American people want a tax bill. They want these tax mm-hmm. cuts. If there's one thing for certain, Republicans and Democrats are saying the exact same thing. We need right. tax cuts. Now, some want them different than others. I mean, the Democrats say tax the rich more and give me a, a, a cut. Well, in the end, we got to make something right. simpler, fairer, and uh, that will grow the economy. Congressman, one more question. In conference, in the heat of battle here in the coming days, buried in page 542, can you get in that amendment you want to improve the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the Cleveland Browns will have to figure out a way to uh, improve themselves. But uh, there's always hope. There's always hope and there's always next year. You know, spoken like a disciple of Dan Rooney. Uh, Congressman, thank you so much. He uh, is really quite a story. Again, we love talking to these politicians in Washington who have a different path to Washington than so much of what we see every day. Mr. Renacci uh, is in the 16th District, the former mayor. John Tucker, I think being a mayor, a former mayor, makes for a different federal official. Well, all politics is local. You yeah. can't get any more local than that. Yeah. And, well, Tom, do you have a Harley? Do you ride a motorcycle? No. You know, I I haven't, and I, I need to be careful. There, there were enough. <laughs> no, there were enough accidents when I was a kid where I never had. Might be my father said, "If you come home with a motorcycle, don't bother coming home." I was only eight when I said that. You know, yeah. when you said that, and you listened. I, That's sweet. I just, I no, just. No, I had the discussion with the eighteen-year-old. No way. No yeah. Way. I've just seen too much. Do you have to wear a helmet in New Jersey? Because that's yes. another thing. Well, some states a helmet on a motorcycle going ninety exactly. miles an hour isn't going to no, do it. Exactly, that's exactly what I think about. Oh, but, what I ride a bike to work. Mr. Renace is good. He's he's involved as a minority member of a number of Harley dealerships. I guess that's how to put it. That was great. Love talking to him from the 16th district of Ohio. Good morning on Sirius XM FM in Ohio. This is Bloomberg. 
Lisa Bramwitz and Tom Keenan with us now. Uh, someone who has, has defined media securities analysis. Richard Greenfield joins us. He is with BTIG uh, and for years watching content and its distribution. Rich, you're going to write a memo for your BTIG clients. It will be read worldwide instantly. What is your beginning theme on the frenzy over Fortress Murdoch? Look, I think, Tom, first of all, thank you for having me. The the media world is looking at pretty stiff headwinds. You know, consumer behavior is changing. TV viewership is collapsing. I mean, I think, you know, if you look at, it's not just the NFL ratings are down. Walking Dead ratings were down 25% last weekend. Like, TV ratings are collapsing. So you've got that overlay on the whole mm-hmm. sector as people move away from linear TV. Subscribers to the bundle, we've been talking about on your show for years, but like this whole, you know, we have this hashtag good luck bundle. I mean, it's really happening. Like, people are cutting the cord, shaving the right. cord. <clears throat> Kids are never getting the cord right. to graduate from college. I mean, right. all of this is happening. And so I think it's causing media companies who felt really safe and secure to rethink their future, especially when you've got right. companies like Apple approaching a trillion dollars. Facebook's doing $10 billion of revenue, growing 50% right. year on year. Like, I think that there is Good. just, they're looking at the tech world and they're panicking when they're looking at their core business. Buried in your securities note, everybody knows this, it reads, which Greenfield, and we've got other wonderful people, Michael Nathanson and all the rest of them, is you're the king of what I call the type two analysis. Not, I want to buy Fox, I want to do this, but I can't not buy Fox or I can't let them by Fox. Who's the type two player here that has to get this transaction done so the other guys don't get it? Well, look, I think if you were sitting there um, at Comcast and you saw that AT&T, which has a big wireless platform and satellite distribution and they're trying to buy Time Warner, you're looking at it going... You know, what should we be doing? Should we be scaling up? We've had a really good experience at NBC. Yeah. Uh, what do we do to scale up? And it's not clear that, um, you, know, it, it, you, you know, it's not clear that you can actually do enough to get this deal done as right. is because of all the government pressure. But if you were willing to split the company into two pieces, so basically break Comcast and NBC into two separate entities, they might be able to, to actually get this deal done, steal it away from Disney if Disney is, in fact, really looking at it. Okay. Uh, and this could be a huge opportunity for Comcast because not only would it allow NBC to buy Fox, but it might free up Comcast to go after a T-Mobile or do something much bigger and aggressive in the wireless space. So Did, this could wait, be a wait, really wait, transformative wait, you, deal. Lisa, I know you want to get here. Did you just tell me Rachel Maddow is going to work with Sean Hannity? <laughs> No, so hold on. Put let's, those let's two in a room. On. Let's hold see on. what happens. Hold on. I, I wish I could see your face. I, we're doing this <laughs> on the phone, but I wish I could see Tom's face right now. Deadpan. The, the reality is Rupert is not abandoning Fox News and the Fox Broadcast Network. I think Rupert would want to run those assets, continue to keep them. Maybe it's a private company. You know, use all the cash proceeds from this transaction. Take Fox private, meaning Fox News, Fox Broadcast. Take that private, maybe even combine it back with News Corp and those and the, and the Wall Street Journal. Right. Keep all of that for himself. I think we're talking about everything but yeah. the Fox broadcast he, network and stations and Fox News. He wants he wants that political clout, uh, no doubt. You know, I'm looking. John likes running Fox News. I mean, he's exactly. running it day to day. So uh, I'm looking at your Twitter feed, uh, Rich, and and at the top you have a pinned tweet: BTIG's top 17 media predictions and events to watch for in 2000. 
2017. Yep. That's pinned from January 3rd. So you clearly are probably coming up with your media predictions and events to watch for 2018. Can you look into your crystal ball and give us a preview? Well, look, I think it's it's always hard to, to look ahead. I mean, you know, the the issue is is I don't think we've ever seen a time in media where the deck chairs look so fluid. Everyone is, you know, everyone is jockeying for position. And I think it's being driven by this basic idea of the sector's mature, it's entering secular decline. You either sell the way Jeff Bucus is trying and the way Ken Lowe of Scripps, so Time Warner and Scripps are both trying to sell, largely for cash. You either diversify, you know, maybe try to get into the video game space or some other sector, yeah. as we suggested, companies like Disney should. Or you scale up in your kind of troubled, secularly challenged business right. just for cost savings. That's yeah. what Discovery and Scripps are trying to do, right? I mean, that's what Discovery is trying to scale up because they couldn't sell and they couldn't diversify. I don't think you have other choices than those three. You've got to do something. I don't think sitting still, given the industry well, fundamentals, you can't just sit still anymore. You've got to do something. Rich Greenfield with us with BTIG, making us wiser on the media wars again as uh, many people look at Fox properties. Lisa with Rich Greenfield. Lisa, please. So I'm just wondering at this point, given you said T-Mobile, I thought that was really interesting that Comcast could free Comcast up to buy T-Mobile. Do you think that that's a likely combo? I know T-Mobile was kind of released after the, the Sprint uh, merger kind of collapsed, but Comcast. Look, look, Comcast has been noodling around how to get bigger and wireless. They've, you know, they launched an MVNO with Verizon. You know, it's hard to believe the MVNO is the, the end state to where they go in wireless. Wireless is just becoming more and more important to you know to consumers' everyday lives. If you believe the video bundle is falling apart, it leaves Comcast with, and obviously phone is going away. So the triple play that you know we've all grown up with, looking at the mm-hmm. media space, you know the video, broadband, and and phone triple play, as it becomes more of a broadband single play, you start to think about how do you create a new bundle, wired and wireless sound like they make a lot more sense every day. And so you go, if you were sitting at Comcast, why wouldn't you want to figure out how you build that wired and wireless bundle of the future? You know, it it might be really hard to imagine in the current administration further vertical integration by getting into wireless. But again, if you separate out NBC, maybe you'd be okay with Comcast doing something big and bold and wireless. Rich, you've always been good at the strategic 70,000-foot market. Let me go there in our final question to you uh, today. We all know the fossils, including me watching cable TV, are just that ancient. The kids growing up, the 30, the, the, the young girls like Lisa Bramowitz, 28 years old, those women growing up. Carded every day. Are they, still carded, yes. <laughs> are, are they going to become like us when they're old? Or do you just say, no, they're not going to end up watching 14 hours of Fox or MSNBC? I think there's, they're going to watch more content than any group of people have ever watched. I think the question is, I don't think they're going to watch what we call linear TV. They're going to watch content, and maybe it's YouTube, maybe it's Netflix, maybe it's Amazon. Heck, Apple's doing a show 
uh, with you know a whole range uh, of stars. You know, they're doing a Steven Spielberg show. They're doing a Reese Witherspoon. Like Apple spending millions of dollars an episode. Like you're going to watch content on a whole array of platforms. Facebook's getting into content. I just don't think you're going to tune in at eight o'clock and watch NBC. Okay, well, eight o'clock Sunday night football. Al from New Jersey just emails in and says, "Who's going to have NFL rights? Does Tim Cook become the football?" You know, Dino, is he, is he Jerry Jones' worst nightmare? Look, in, in 1994, Rupert Murdoch turned the world on end when he outbid the established players to get into the, um, into the NFL business for Fox and basically established the Fox network. I don't think it's inconceivable when you think about Amazon, who's going to have more subscribers than ESPN to Amazon Prime. Could they bid on Monday Night Football? Could Tim Cook bid on Monday Night Football or on, mm-hmm. you know, Sunday Ticket? I mean, I think that there is a lot of potential for the tech platforms right. to be very bold bidders. I mean, just yesterday, Amazon took down the U.S. Open rights for tennis for the U.K., took it away from Eurosport and Sky Sports. Like, there's, there's increasing signs that the tech platforms want to take the, the kind of the last bastion of linear well, TV, which is sports, away from it. Rich, thank you so much for uh, being with us. Mr. Greenfield blowing up his schedule to join us here in this 9 o'clock uh, hour. Mr. Greenfield is with BTIG. Again, we protect the copyright of all of our guests. You can get his research only from Walter Pisek and Rich Greenfield over at BT. I, gee, Lisa, was this fun? It was so much fun. You even taught me how to tie a bow tie. Thank you. Yes, well, we're working on that. Yes. I wore one today that was, you know, the kind you tie. Oh, how often I is suggest that? it's a little too tight. <laughs> Thank you. We yeah, hope you have a good weekend. We're produced by Richard Truman, Ken Felio, our global technical director. This is Bloomberg. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Subscribe and listen to interviews on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. I'm on Twitter at Tom Keen. David Gura is at David Gura. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide on Bloomberg Radio.